Welcome to You Might Hate This Book, where each episode one of us will recommend a book to the other. A book that we love that we suspect our co-host might hate. Well, hate is a strong word. How about falls outside of their traditional scope of interest. Fine, that's fair. A book they would never have chosen to read otherwise. We'll read the assigned book, then come back together to discuss. Did you love it? Or did you hate it? So you agree we might hate it. (sighs) Yeah, you might hate it. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Hannah. And you might hate this book. Secret listeners, uh, we didn't go anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> we recorded the last episode five minutes ago. Yeah. Here we are again. I know you're listening a week later, but yeah, not us. I am in California right now. Woo! Yeah, future Stephanie is in California and therefore cannot record at our normal time. I hope you're having fun, future Stephanie. I wanted to sing a Beach Boy song and oh. I couldn't think of one. So you're just dancing. <laughs> I am. Nobody can see I it. really hate that no one else can see <laughs> that Hannah's just dancing to Is Surfing no USA? Music. Is that it? Yeah. Surfing USA. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure that lots of people, even in California, listen to the Beach Boys that very regularly I... sing as it's 2023. Three. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Although, um, my dad taught Maggie the Beach Boys song, Barbara Ann. Oh, yeah. It is so freaking cute watching my four-year-old, Bye, Bob, Bob, Ann, Bob, so cute. <laughs> and she, she doesn't know how many times you're supposed to do the Bob, up. Like, yeah. It's very adorable. I definitely thought it was Barbara Ann when I was a oh, kid. Oh, for sure. Thought me too. Thought somebody to cut your hair. Yeah. That's how they pronounce it. Yeah. That is not your fault. I definitely thought yep. that too. And I was like, okay, it's definitely Barbara Ann, but like, that's hard to say. Yep. You could have written a song about somebody else. Surely there were other women around. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Go you. Bar- Who's Barbara Ann? If you're Barbara Ann's like granddaughter. How many Barbara Ann's are there for real? I wonder if the, the Barbara Ann knows that it is her. I hope so. I hope so too. You should know if a song is written for you. Especially if it's written by Taylor I Swift. Was just, <laughs> I, was just, I was just thinking maybe some of Taylor Swift's previous boyfriends don't wish yeah, that. Yeah, John Mayer is about to have a really difficult month when the Taylor's version of Speak Now comes yeah, out in a, yeah. like 10 days. So Oof. good luck to you, buddy. She told people not to bully him online. (laughs) I saw that, yeah. Yeah, because people just, like, went for Jake Gyllenhaal's throat after Red came out. And she was like, I'm redoing this music so I can own it. Not so that we can relive drama from when I was 19. Like, I'm not still mad about it. It's okay. I've obviously capitalized on it handsomely. (laughs) Yeah, I'm doing fine. You don't have to, like, mean tweet at Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, John Mayer is even worse. So she was like, Mm -hmm. guys, don't pick on him. (laughs) Like, just buy the album or don't, don't, like. Yeah. I hope he appreciates that. Yeah. Uh, you know, on days when I feel like my life is too frantic and dra- and drama-filled, I'm just like, but you know, I don't have that to deal with. <laughs> <laughs> At least I don't have that. That's good. It's true. Life is good. Yeah. <laughs> it's sometimes good not to be famous. 
I think you would not do well as no. a famous person. No, I would not. <laughs> I think that I would love the attention, but hate the criticism and not do well either. Yeah. It'd be very up and down. I would probably turn to drugs because it would be up and down. No. I would be your classic, like, look what happened to her famous person because I... I'd be like Harper Lee, like, no, I will do no interviews. Good day. <laughs> I will write this one book and then become a recluse. <laughs> That is our, like, different styles of how we would be famous. I think so. Well, now that we've hashed that out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that was not my very important question for you, is how would you be famous, but would you like to answer a very important question? Yes, always. If you knew that you were going to be stuck on an island for eight weeks, what three things would you take with you? Oh, no! My Kindle. 100%. Solid. Because then I have unlimited books, right? Yeah. What else? Ooh, I I am going to see if I can guess the other two. I mean, this isn't like an uncivilized island, is it? This is the situation that we're going to talk about in our book. Right. Imagine what happened in the book. If you knew you were going to be essentially quarantined, your friends and family are not there, you've got... For eight weeks. Yeah, you've got bad internet connection, there's nothing to do, what three things do you take? Okay, I'm going to take my Kindle and two boxes of tampons. <laughs> That's what I'm taking. Okay. Um, take your Kindle, a cross-stitch project, oh, and a sure. menstrual cup. Who are you? I have uh, tried those. <laughs> I would I would try it again for that. Okay. I mean, you're That's stranded. Fair. I mean, who's going to care? True. But I'm assuming I have limited, like, clothing options also. Yeah. I mean, a your, menstrual cup is a good compromise. If you're going to experiment with, like, trying to make sure you're yeah. using a menstrual cup and the right way stranded for yeah. eight weeks is the right time that's fair man using two of your items on tampons Look. i i hate that for you I mean, you need a cross stitch project and a menstrual cup uh, i will accept your revision <laughs> yep thank you i have done my job yep. today <laughs> a large cross stitch project yeah yeah maybe i could finally finish the one i'm working on according to my timeline it's going to take me three years uh, and then I like need breaks. You yeah, know. I go through seasons. With I my can't work on it constantly. Right. So I was like, this is gonna take two and a half to three years. Yep. I plan to work on it a lot in California. God bless you and keep you. <laughs> what would you take? Would you take a cross stitch project? Oh, for sure. Okay. And I don't have a Kindle, but I guess if I knew this was gonna happen to me, I'd get one. You get one because my. I was going to be like, I'll take a book. One book? No. no. Okay. That's too hard. I And unnecessary. Yeah. I'm going to get a Kindle, and I was not going to worry about a menstrual cup at all. I was going to try and think of it. But, I mean, I guess you... No, you don't have to. Be free. <laughs> I could just free bleed on an I island. Good. I mean, who cares? <laughs> Sit in the ocean. Red tent it up. <laughs> I love this for a future me. <laughs> Well, May we be stuck together. <laughs> we'll be okay. <laughs> so, yeah, same things. So, cool. see, we don't disagree about everything. No, we take we the not. same things on a desert island. Yep. This is good. I ask you this very important question. Mm-hmm. Because our book this week, Wish You Were Here by Jody Pico, has some similar uh, vibes as to what oh, we yes. just discussed. Okay. Quite. Shall I summarize it for Please you? Please do. Diana O'Toole and her surgical resident boyfriend, Finn, are due to set out on a romantic getaway to the Galapagos when something completely unexpected happens. A virus that once felt worlds away has now reached New York City. People are terrified, everything is shutting down, and the hospital needs all hands on deck. 
Reluctant to waste a luxurious, non-refundable trip, Finn insists that Diana go on the couple's vacation alone. While Diana is angry at Finn's suggestion, she ends up going on the trip. After all, the city isn't the best place to be right now anyway, and it's not like she would be spending time with Finn if she stayed there anyway. She leaves for the Galapagos knowing that by the time she gets back, the whole COVID-19 thing will be over. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Almost immediately, the vacation turns into a mess. The entire island is in quarantine, and she is stranded without access to hotels, restaurants, tourist attractions, or a way back home. She's trapped in the Galapagos until it's safe to travel back. Over time, Diana forms a connection with a local family that has her questioning her lifestyle, her relationships, and all of her life plans. She wonders if when she finally does get home, if she'll be a completely different person. Okay. The reason I thought you would hate this book is because it's too real life. And Mm. you don't like books that are a little too real life, especially dealing with difficult things that you personally would find or have found difficult. Right. So I thought you would not appreciate a COVID book. Um, You didn't super love our last Jodi Pook. Pico book, and I realized that I'm making you read two at a time. (laughs) It was my turn to pick our book club book, Mm -hmm. and I fretted over this for so long, but I wanted to read one that I have on my shelf because I have my goal of reading all the books on my shelf that I Mm -hmm. haven't read. And I went over and over, and I was like, okay, I'm going to go with this one. And then I was like, wait. So Hannah is reading... (laughs) This book for the podcast and this book for book club. This is true. The book club one is Mad Honey. Yeah. I haven't started it yet. So sorry about that. That's okay. Um, I'm going to say you gave it a three. Okay. Um, First, we're going to have to talk about spoilers. I Yeah, we cannot talk about... I mean, we pretty much do anyway now. But this book has a really big plot twist that changes the book for you. But it's mid-book. It's not even really at the end. Yeah, it's like mid-book. So if you're like, oh, I don't know if I care about spoilers, this is like a huge plot twist that changes the novel. So if you want to go experience that and read Wish You Were Here by Jodi Picoult, bye! Yep, just come back when you're done. (laughs) See ya. Um, So... Yeah, I think you were right. It is... I'm not sure I was ready for a COVID novel yet. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, But I gave it two stars... Mainly because I felt duped (laughs) by the twist that we are referring to. You don't like a surprise? If something surprises you, it gets a bad... I'm fine with a surprise. I do not like having to relive season nine of Dallas. (laughs) You're the only person who watched that. Where it was all a dream, you guys. It's all a dream. (laughs) What? got to that point and I was like, Brandon. (laughs) Okay, let me back up though, because I had thoughts beforehand. (laughs) When I first got into this book, I was not, I was not in a good attitudinal space. (laughs) Um, Attitudinal? um, I, yeah, my mental state going into it was not great because yes, you had assigned me another book for book club. And then also I was, I happened to be in the middle of another book I was reading and really very much enjoying. Mm. And then I was like, I have to read this book. So I had to put that other one aside and just be like, I'll see you later. I'm so sorry. So I was in a little bit of a, I was having attitude. And when I started reading it, I didn't know it was a COVID book. So that was like, oh, am I ready for this? But even before that, what was with the Beatles thing? So, okay, 
I don't remember this. Really? Okay. So Diana, our main character, she works for Sotheby's. She helps auction off art pieces and, you know, fancy rich people things. Mm -hmm. And her big break into the business or whatever is that she is selling a famous Toulouse-Lautrec painting for Katomi Ito, whose husband, Sam, was murdered outside their building. Oh, Yoko Ono. Who was part of of a... you know, British pop sensation group called the Night Jars. Yeah. And I'm like... What you mean is the Beatles, and you're yeah. talking about Yoko Ono. It was so weird. We were driving to Nashville when I started this book, and I had to just, like, read that paragraph out loud to Brandon, because I was like, this is the Beatles, right? I'm not like... He's like, that's very clearly the Beatles. Why don't you just call it the Beatles? I don't, it was weird. I don't know why she had to, like, make up this alternate... Yeah. Beatles story. Anyway. I guess maybe you're Yoko not allowed Ono. to talk about... Talk about Yoko. Like, Maybe not. I don't know. I would have just come up with it. That was weird and confusing. <laughs> um, but then, yeah, I quickly figured out as I was reading that this was going to be a COVID book and the wish you were here part. Oh, you're going to get stuck on your, quote, vacation, which any vacation where you're stuck there and isolated is not going to be a vacation anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. But it was just slow and boring. Really? I got it. I was... And again, maybe it's part of me mentally going into it, like not being in the best space, but I just was bored and I could 100% see where it was going. Like all the plot beats. Miss, I have my entire life planned out in my Philofax. Diana, she, she's a planner, you know, very type A. She's about to have her world upended like we all did, you know, mm-hmm. and she's setting up this character and Pico is describing her and she's, oh, I've always had a plan for my life. I'm going to be married by this age, kids by this age, ups-, you know, I'm like... Oh, baby child. <laughs> like, it, the first chapter, it says March 13th, 2020. And so you know what's coming. Yeah. Right. And then her boyfriend, who she found a ring box in his dresser, you know, so she knows he's going to propose on this trip. He's a surgical resident at a hospital in New York. So you know what's about to happen for him. Mm-hmm. Right. And it just, the the isabella island plot when she's in the galapagos was just very slow for me and it was also very predictable she has all this free time you know to self-assess and contemplate the important things in life she's befriended by the island grandma (laughs) i guess i don't even think she gets a name does she it's abuela yeah i they just call her abuela um she befriends you know the reluctant troubled teen falls in love with the teen's father eventually who, of course, started out hating her because she's a tourist. Like, it all just seemed very predictable. The girl's troubled. I even predicted that. Like, she had a crush on another girl, and it was unrequited, and that, you know, comes to light. And I could, I just felt like I could see it all a mile away. I did, the part I did, like, while she was on Isabella Island, she does not have good internet service, but she does occasionally get bursts of service, and she gets these emails from Finn kind of detailing what it's like being an ER doctor during COVID Mm -hmm. in New York City, and I liked those bits. They were hard to read, Yeah, but that is not something I or really anybody close to me experienced. I mean, we were all here in rural Tennessee. Our friend who's a doctor now was not at the time, so I really didn't know anybody doing what he did, and I appreciated her giving voice to that. I think that's important. It was still a little raw, but I think important to have yeah. have told Finn's story. Um, so I like that. <sighs> but then, then she she pulls she pulls her punch. Diana wakes up in a COVID unit. Guess what? None of it actually happened. The guy she <laughs> fell in love with, the girl she tried to help, her island grandma. None of it was real. <laughs> what? 
Did you listen to the author's note at the end? I did. Okay. Uh, I don't remember all of it. I mean, to me, it's not a, it was all a dream. Like, this is a real condition that, like, people... Yes. And and I do appreciate her, just like with Finn's character kind of drawing attention to what real people were going through. I didn't know this was a thing COVID survivors yeah. did, that they had these very visceral, real-seeming dreams when they were in a, I guess, a coma. Or on a vent. On a ventilator. And they woke up, and they and when Diana wakes up, she really has a hard time telling the difference between what is real and what is not. I mean, in her dream, her mother dies. Yeah. And then she wakes up and has to realize her mother's not dead. And, like, that's hard. And that's a condition I, again, I did not know about, so I appreciate that. Yeah, so to me, that was different from, like, the, it was all a dream. It was, like... It felt more real, more substantive to me. Yeah, I guess as a plot device, it still fell short. Like, Okay. As a piece of information about, hey, this is something people with COVID went through, I'm fine with. But using it as a plot device just felt like, okay. This plot that I already wasn't super invested in, now I'm really not invested. Yeah. (laughs) Because I'm like, oh, it was no. And the fact that the guy on the island that she falls in love with is named Gabriel. Like, you know, her guardian angel. Uh, <laughs> she seemed very on the nose. <laughs> I didn't even catch that, but that seems really obvious now. Yeah. Um, and from there, as much as I was not enchanted by the Galapagos, after that, it just got even more boring to me. Because now you're not even in the Galapagos. No, now she's just... That, that's when the book became almost a slog for me. Because now she's doing the thing that so many of us did. She's... At home, by herself, her husband's working at the ER. She has to be careful every time she leaves the house. And not only that, but she's rehabilitating from her very serious bout with COVID. Like, she was on a ventilator. She has to do rehab. That was excruciating. Um, And we've read books with, like, physical, you know, rehabilitation or problems before, like heroin. Mm -hmm. And it's good to bring attention to that, but it just felt punishing a little bit. Um, all that she's going through, and also knowing that so many people went through it so very recently, yeah, was a little a little rough. But again, I do appreciate Pico calling attention to some of these things uh, because, again, I didn't have a perspective of what it would have been like to be a doctor in New York City during that time. I mean, you saw the stuff on the news, yeah. But it's different to read it yeah, like this. We do not live in a place that is anything like New York City. No, no. Um, it was interesting to learn about the things that different patients like Diana lived through, and kudos to Pico for calling attention to that. But again, Diana herself, pretty boring. Yeah. <laughs> I was not connected to her. Um, and her mom does actually die again Yeah, in, a, in her memory care facility. And there's, like, a nice little bit of closure there. I think that was the most interesting part of the story to me was her relationship with her mother. But it was very, like, B or even C plot. Yeah. So, um... But by the end of it, like you alluded to in your summary, you know, she's wondering, like, is she the same person? And in a way, none of us are the same people after COVID. But the way she ended this book with Diana felt weird to me. Like, she doesn't marry the guy she was perfectly happy with. She changes her career entirely. I guess she learns to live life less safely and more passionately. But I was also like, were we supposed to see her type A personality as a character flaw? Because... That's not necessarily like she was just right. a planner. I mean, yes, you can take it too far like anything, but it almost felt like she ha- does this complete 180 and it's like, no, I can't marry you because you're boring, I guess. Or I'm different, I guess. I wasn't really sure. And yeah. I kind of liked Finn. I liked her, her doctor, you know, love interest. They're, I mean, 
he was a little overbearing with wanting her to take precautions, but I get it. Yeah. Uh, we all lived through it, <laughs> you know. So I, I was kind of unsure about the ending. What were we supposed to take from this that we are supposed to all just like throw caution to the wind and live our lives now that we've all gone through COVID? Or I, I don't know. Yeah. It was weird. I can appreciate that. I did like the art history. Oh, yeah. Because she works for Sotheby's, right? Yeah. She talks about Toulouse-Lautrec a lot. She talks about Impressionism and Surrealism. She even had a shout-out to my favorite Surrealist, Renee Magritte. So that was fun. So there were aspects of it I liked and could appreciate. But as, like, an enjoyable read, it was not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really sorry you had to stop a book that you liked. It's in order okay. To, I mean, we do this to ourselves. It's fine. Yeah. We, we have to stop books that we actually like in order to read. It was an easy read. Yeah. I read it quickly. I hybrid read on paper and listened. Yeah. So. I listened to the whole thing, I think. Yeah. Did you? I started reading because the audio, I was waiting for it to come available yeah. on Libby. And then when it did, I just scooped that up. Oh, and I also liked her friend Rodney. Yes. That worked at Sotheby's with her. <laughs> and he moves to New Orleans with his sister and she's like a psychic. And they have this like phone conversation where she helps Diana kind of work through her dreams. I thought he was fun. I, I did too. I could definitely see the guy who plays... Titus and the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Mm-hmm. Like, that was Rodney yeah. in my head. I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Titus and Dramaton. <laughs> yeah. Um, there were tidbits of it I liked, and it wasn't, it was real life. It wasn't as punishing as like some other books yeah. you, you've assigned, and it was pretty easy to read and get through. It just kind of was like, wah, wah. <laughs> and it was a COVID book. If you're not ready for a COVID book, yeah. don't pick this up. Yeah. If you are looking for a COVID book to help you make sense, of what we've all gone through and to get a different perspective, then you might enjoy it. Okay. Those are my thoughts. Okay. Well, one of the big things I really loved about this book, but that I correctly predicted that you would not like, Mm -hmm. is that it was a COVID book. Right. This was either one of or the first big novel to have COVID as the backdrop of the story. Really? Interesting. Um, Other stories had, like, mentioned it, it's happening. But this was the first one to be like about it. And while we were in the throes of the pandemic, I was querying my novel. So I was like looking at agent profiles Mm -hmm. and uh, going back and forth with agents on Twitter. And agents and editors were very like, we do not want your COVID books. Like most of them live in New York. Like Mm -hmm. (laughs) fiction is an escape. And COVID was the thing they wanted to escape. No, thank you. Right. And this is, again, like 2020 and 2021. They were like, I solidly do not want your COVID book. Novels published during that time, even if they, like, had specific dates and, like, because a lot of books, especially thrillers, will include dates. Lots of them took place in 2020 in an alternate universe where this just did not happen. Um. I've read several 2020, 2021 books that just did not happen. COVID's not there. Yep. And I definitely understand the, like, too soon feeling. Mm -hmm. However, the world has largely moved on and is in, like, a new form of normal. And it is undeniably a very real part of our collective history. Yes. Um, And it can't be overlooked in our art for forever. Right, right. Um, So in the same way that World War II fiction is a genre unto itself, I fully predict that in the future 
COVID fiction will be its own sub-genre of historical fiction, hopefully without the covers with the women's <laughs> backs and, <laughs> and a monument next right. to them. What, I really, what the COVID equivalent? I really hope we come up with a another mask, trope. Yeah, Or even where you just see people's faces, like their yeah. eyes, and that's it. Man, I really hope it's just not women's backs. That's all <laughs> I It's just going to be eyes. Everybody's <laughs> eyes. Everybody's eyes. That's it. Oh. So I've had a few moments in my life where it occurred to me, oh, I'm living through history right yes. now. Oh, we've had a few. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was very weird the first time I read a book that was remembering or experiencing or referencing 9-11. Yes. And any art now that mm -hmm. happened pre-9-11 and where you can, like, see the Twin Towers and the New York skyline, it's yes. like, oh, that happened before we all knew this thing. I honestly you know my deep love deep love of home alone mm -hmm. and home alone 2 there's a whole yeah. sequence where kevin goes up on top of the twin towers and it's one of those montage sequences that's set to music and like i i can't not tear up like yeah. i don't full-on cry i don't do that but <laughs> <laughs> i don't do that <laughs> but it's like it's just it's tough it is it's and so even when i'm watching like a romantic comedy and it like does the new york skyline i'm just like Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. and it's in Friends. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like, oh, that's before that happened. Mm -hmm. And in the same way that I remember where I was when I heard about 9-11, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. I remember where I was when I heard about COVID. And I learned about 9-11 in stages. Like, yes. someone told me this thing happened, and that's all that information. And by third period, we were watching the news in yes. school. And by the time I got home, I knew this and this and this. COVID was similar. My first experience with it was Maggie had a checkup at the doctor. Really? On Tuesday, um, I guess March like 10th or something. And it looked like a freaking zombie apocalypse. They were like taking everyone's temperature and handing everyone masks and telling everyone to stand apart. And I had literally not heard anything at all. Real? I didn't know that. And I, I worked from home at right. this point and... Kyle worked alone. I had no reason. I don't have kids in school. Like, I had no reason to know. And it was very alarming. I was like, this park, like, the parking lot looks weird. It was, like, gray outside. I felt like I was in the early stages of a zombie movie. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you check in and the doctor and she's like, okay, I need you to go stand over there. And uh, she was, like, wearing gloves when she took my insurance. Like, I didn't have insurance at the time. When she took, like, my card from me and stuff. And I was just like, what the hell is going on? Yep. Um, and so when the doctor came in, I was like, hey, guy, uh, why is everyone weird? Yep. <laughs> what's what's going on? And he, you know, kind of briefly explained it to me. But it, we just did Maggie's checkup or whatever. And two days later, she had a fever. <gasps> and I learned from Lauren on March 13th that they were canceling school at the college mm -hmm. and I was like wait so this thing that it's not just like happening at doctor's offices like right you at school like so Lauren was my my first person who told yep. me things and you were my second because yep. I checked in with you and I was like are you not going to school nope. and for three like two days Maggie had a fever and was crying constantly and I had no idea what was wrong with her and we had just gone to the doctor 
Turns out she had hand, foot, and mouth disease. I was about to bring that up. Which freaking sucks, by the way. I'm very glad it wasn't COVID, but I also got hand, foot, and mouth disease, and it's much harder on adults than it is on kids. She basically went fine. I lost a bunch of nails, and it was was horrible and disgusting. That was awful. Yeah, I learned about it at school, of course. Of course, we were all like... You know, are we going to get out early for spring break? Yeah, like... But I remember our last... We would always go to this one teacher's classroom for lunch because she had tables, not desks. And we'd just chat, you know, for our 20-minute lunch. And that's all we were talking about. Like, oh, are we going to get a long spring break? Are we going to get let out early? But none of us even brought up, are we going to be out after spring break? Yeah. That wasn't even on our radar. No. We were just like, oh, cool. And then, like, adjusting lesson plans or whatever. And... So when we never went back, it was just insane. Yeah, and honestly, I'm glad I knew as little as I knew because my daughter running a fever right. would have fruck me out had I known better what we were dealing yeah. with. I was just like, I don't know, maybe it's that, that thing a... people are talking about. And luckily, I found out pretty quickly it was hand, foot, and mouth. But I would have lost my mind that if I understood. A, a case of ignorance is bliss. And then, of course, Rowan also. Ro- <laughs> Maggie just went ahead and passed it right on we, to Rowan. We also, in early quarantine, dealt with a toddler with hand, foot, mouth, which yep. Yep, is not fun. Perks of having friends. <laughs> so that early quarantine, we were really like, nobody come to our house. Our child is already sick. Yeah. And it's terrible. And um, I... One of our friends asked if I needed anything, and they were like, I'm going to go to the pharmacy. I'm going to, like, suit up and go to the pharmacy while you're there because going to the pharmacy is such a risky thing right now. Can I get you anything? And I was like, I need cortisol cream. My whole body itches. Yep. And he was like, I'll leave it on your porch. And, like, he, like, knocked on the door, backed away, waved at me, like, the whole oh, shebang, yeah. and I, like, wiped it down with a Clorox wipe before oh, I... I remember... That's one thing in the book. I remember wiping our groceries down yeah. with Clorox wipes. And so I read this book in, like, late 2022 when, at okay. least in my world, everything was back to normal. Right. I mean, as in the same way that things are back to normal now after 9-11, like, it's just new normal. Right. It's different than it was before, but it's it's life. We're dealing. Yeah, I had blocked from my mind a lot of those first weeks of, like, videos of nurses sobbing with, like, bloody faces from where their masks have been on for forever and, like, people singing from their balconies Mm -hmm. to people as they got off shift and, like, medical professionals stripping down to their underwear before walking into their house so they could shower before they saw their kids or staying in hotels and not seeing their kids at all for weeks on end. I we had to go five weeks without seeing Casey because first oh, yes. first her rotations got canceled. Um, Our friend that was in PA school, PA at the time. school, mm-hmm. she was doing her rotation year and they got canceled for a while. Mm-hmm. But even once they started back up again, her next rotation was in the ER. Yep, and she was like. I mean, I can't see you. And then we also couldn't see her husband because, like, she has no choice but to see right. him, basically. <laughs> they live together. So we were, like, we had, like, a, a goodbye hangout. Mm-hmm. We're like, all right, I'll see you when this is over. And then, like, two weeks after it's over so that we know for a fact that you're not sick or whatever. And here I was listening to the audiobook of this at my desk after having lunch at a restaurant, after having gone grocery shopping. And it just hit me. I was like, this actually happened to you. Like, yeah. not just... This is bananas. Mm -hmm. Like, and I guess I had just blocked some of it out, but I was like, this happened. And I saw a meme once about, we've talked about this, that you have at least watched this movie, the um, 
Marvel movie Endgame. Oh, yeah. Where, like, half the people on Earth disappear. Right, the snap. Yeah, and then then they come back, whatever, and someone was like, me, watching this Marvel movie a couple years ago, oh, yeah, the world goes through a huge collective trauma and everyone just, like, moves on with basically no recognition of it. Uh Uh-huh. Me after COVID. Yeah, sounds about right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, It is weird that we have not, like, communally processed it and so in a way like it feels like it it just feels weird i mean i guess that's going to be the job of artists for years to come yeah and so essentially in the same way that unless you are reading literature that is intentionally setting itself in an alternate timeline fiction exists with a clear understanding that world wars terrorist attacks did happen right and this is now our latest thing Mm -hmm. Uh, for a while, novels ignored it, but I can't imagine that novels being written now in the next 10 years, there's no way to ignore it. It can't be it can't be written out in an alternate timeline anymore. And I thought that was just so like it just shook me a little mm-hmm. bit when I was reading this. I was like, right. this is the first of like an era. Yeah. And what does our art look like now? And the way that humanity has always processed love and grief and loss and change is through the creation of art and i've even heard a couple of songs mention covid now Mm -hmm. and it was just very like harrowing almost for me to listen to and i enjoyed that experience of the gravity of it Mm -hmm. i knew that you would not (laughs) like that but for me that made it special yeah, and I think it does. I mean, I didn't enjoy it as entertainment mm-hmm. because I think I am too close to it. But, like, in the same way you can look at, like, some of Picasso's greatest works, you know, Guernica and, and Dali's works about the Civil War in Spain that they were living through. You know, that's not me. I'm removed some from it so I can look at that yeah. in a different way. I, I don't know when I'm going to be able to look at COVID art. You know, I, I think it's important and I think it needs to be there. That's what's going to help us collectively process it and also carry on its messages. Yeah. But if you were already in a in a mood, yeah, it probably wasn't. <laughs> no, it wasn't great, but yeah, I just I just felt very important. moved by the fact that I was reading this not just a covid book, you know, cuz the book itself did any one particular thing, but I was like, "Oh, we have now entered into the mm-hmm. part of our humanity where this is what we do now." Yep. And that just felt really monumental to me. And I did like the book more, right, but that right. was one thing that was really big for me. And so you actually commented on this, and I read a review from the Washington Post that complained that Diana falling out of love with her boyfriend and, like, changing her job and all that stuff was, like, really unrealistic. And I disagree. I'm, like, embarrassed to say this now because I don't have the same values and understanding, but I went on a spring break mission trip to Honduras. Mission trips are a little bit uh, colonizer-ish, and they don't really do them. They can be. They can be. And sometimes the activities there do not do the most good. But I went on a mission trip for spring break and had a really difficult time coming back. I 
did not feel connected to my boyfriend anymore because he didn't live this with me. Oh. And I felt like I was significantly different and that I was not the same person. And I tried to break up with him. You you had a life experience that yeah. they did not share. And the next year, he and I both went on mission trips separately. And the entire time I was gone, I was worried that he would try and break up with me. And he did when he got back. And I didn't realize that was the impetus for your breakup. Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean... Obviously, uh, we had like sure. other problems and we didn't need to be together. But in this, I felt like it highlighted that like if you place yourself in an environment that's entirely out of your ordinary, like you don't have your friends, you don't have your family, you don't have your schedule, your mm-hmm. job, running water. If you don't have all of the stuff that's like your scaffolding mm-hmm. to rely on, all you're left with is your own thoughts. It's like yep. you listen to music or you listen to a podcast in the car. And if for some reason your phone's not working and you just have to sit with your thoughts, what kind of things come up? That's the like full body equivalent to me. When you're put in that situation where you're not waking up at seven to go to class at eight and blah, blah, blah. You're like, okay, what am I? And he realized that he was happier on a week where he didn't have to talk to me. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that sounds ugly, but no, like, but he was like, I feel more calm on this week where I'm not with Stephanie. And he never would have. It learned. was just a clear indicator of other reasons. Yeah. You weren't compatible. And the year previous, I essentially had the same realization and I chickened out and didn't break up with him. Um, but like, When I came back, I had a really hard time adjusting even to, like, going back to school Mm -hmm. because I'd been really shaped by this particular experience. And so that made sense to me. I I didn't take from the end that it's like, don't make plans. But it's that she had a better understanding of why she was doing certain things. Mm -hmm. And, okay, you don't have to do things just because it's the correct time people get married by the time they're 30 and people have kids by the time they're 35 she had some time away from that scaffolding right and decided okay like this is not as important it doesn't mean no plans it just means like i don't have to have a death grip on the plan certain expectations yeah i think your reading is sound i don't think it was i mean i don't the Washington Post review you brought up said they thought it was unrealistic. I didn't think it was unrealistic. I thought it was too undefined mm-hmm. by the author. Like, I understood what was happening, but I didn't feel like I knew exactly why, which was yeah. weird for a book where you're pretty much all in Diana's head. Yeah. Like, I don't feel like what you just explained to me, like, I had this life experience that you were not a part of. I don't feel like that was well-defined within the yeah. novel. Yeah, and, like, it could have been. She could have just been sitting there with him watching TV and be like, I just can't feel connected in the same way mm-hmm. because, like, you know, this is the experience that I had. She probably could have done a better job, like, fleshing out right. what that feeling was. But that's what I took from it. But maybe I took that from it because I have experienced that. Right, And sure. so I implanted my own, like, yeah. experience onto the book. And the last thing that I really liked was just psychology man the human Mm, mind weird place yeah um place so this reminded me of course of the dumbledore quote from harry potter of course it's happening inside your head harry but why on earth should that mean it's not real right um there's this thing called icu delirium and i read an entire article about it um but like if your brain experiences something it is real this is the psychology or the psychological explanation behind the like self-help slash performance technique of envisioning yourself doing something oh, successfully right. your brain does not know the difference between 
my body experienced this and I remember it and my mind made it up and I remember it. It happened in your brain. That's where you store stuff. If it's stored in there, it's real. And so if you can visualize yourself successfully lifting the 300 pound deadlift, your brain goes, I know I can do this, have already. And this is like a legitimate technique to improve performance in athletics or you right. know other stuff. Um, oh, I've told my students in speech class yeah. to use that technique and like nervous. I've experienced this more on like a self-help way to deal with trauma of mm -hmm. like if I tell myself that I love myself it eventually like it manifests yeah itself. Mm -hmm. um, there is legitimacy to that and so then I read an entire Atlantic article about ICU delirium that we can link to in the show notes nice. um, but ICU delirium is when patients form false and often frightening memories during their time on ventilators and because these delusional memories are based in real life stimuli mm -hmm. like being intubated um, they're very vivid much more vivid than dreams or nightmares because the the pain that you're experiencing is real. Right. Um, and your brain is just like filling in the gaps of what's happening. It's as real as it gets to them. And you can tell people all day when they wake up, this didn't happen to you. But that would be very hard. Oh, yeah. To be like, I was there and I remember it. And I saw you do this. Like that. Oof. Oh, I and I definitely got that from the book. And you mentioned her author's note, and I do remember now she talked about how a lot of those dreams, some of the things they had in common were, like, being stuck in basements or yeah. being kidnapped because they Dealing had... with water mm -hmm. um, and, like, experiencing the death of a loved one or their yes. own death. Yes. That's very weird. Like, the author's note talked about, like, going through Reddit <laughs> posts, basically, of people who'd woken up from COVID comas. Yes. And there were so many themes. Lots of people had dreams about basements or being imprisoned or... Being... Because don't patients, they have to be tied down a lot, their hands when yeah. they're intubated. Or... Yeah, and right. people have uh, dreams about dying or uh, drowning. In the book, she quote-unquote drowns and wakes up and she's uh, in the COVID ICU ward. Um, because in any other circumstance, being intubated is a form of torture. I mean, that would right. feel like being waterboarded. It feels like drowning and it's mm -hmm. a perfectly essential medical procedure but your brain would process it as torture. And so people have these dreams about, like, being held underwater and, ugh. Yep. Um, I think this is another one of those instances. Like, I would like to read that article in The Atlantic about this. I, I didn't want to read this book. <laughs> yeah, well, I think because in a novel form, it just felt very navel-gazing because it all is so psychological. So that second half of the book is she is just, like, in her head. And, of course, she can't go anywhere. Yeah. It's COVID, <laughs> you know. It's COVID. <laughs> so... So the cause of ICU delirium is not entirely understood, but it is definitely due to a mixture of hypoxia, which is a lack of oxygen to your brain, and the use hmm. of sedatives. And those two things oh. combined, yeah. So while people dangerous cocktail, yeah. While people's on people on ventilators might look like they're having a peaceful night's sleep, their brains are going wild. Their brains are doing all kinds of stuff. And studies are finding that giving patients prolonged use of sedatives makes the PTSD of waking up worse. And approximately 50 wow. people have PTSD after they wake up from being sedated for longer than a week. Um, so they've been trying to steer clear of using certain medications that they know make it worse. But during COVID, it was like, you get what you get, and you right. don't get your fit, and maybe you get an aspirin. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so a huge number of COVID patients experienced ICU delirium, 
Some things that really help reorient patients after they wake up are their friends and family talking about how I I was at your bedside. I saw that this did or did not happen. I have a record here, a journal that I kept of this. Well, guess what? Wasn't happening. COVID. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And the more medical personnel spend time with you and talk to you and interact with you, the more they can help ground you back in the real world. But again, COVID, they came in to like put your IV in, do your catheter, and they left because it was emergency. That is one plot device that I did think was clever is because in the section where Diana is on the Galapagos, those intermittent emails that she's getting from Finn, those Are, were real. Finn's talking to her, like sitting by her bedside talking Yes, but to the her. only reason he could do that is because he was a doctor in the hospital. So mm-hmm. she was, you know, privileged in that way. Yeah. I thought that was a, a neat yeah. piece of the twist. Yeah, she had some communication with him, like really spotty communication. Mm-hmm. It was like spotty internet connection, but really it was like he can't visit very often and like I can only hear certain words from him. Right. A quote from that article, a quote from a doctor that is quoted in that article, if you had to design an experiment to make delirium as bad as it could be, COVID is it. Oh, no! <laughs> um. So she wakes up and then it, for her this was two months where she formed relationships yeah, with nuts. people. She met people. She had whole conversations she developed a routine and to be told this did not happen i would feel like i was being horribly gaslit gaslighted what's the past tense sure, of gaslight he just read a book about grammar I don't know. <laughs> like that would be so hard yes. i would feel like i was being pranked you wake up and the entire world is different mm-hmm And this huge moment, like, this watershed moment for you as a person wasn't real. Like, the disorientation behind that, like, it makes sense to me when people have PTSD for this. It is compared to coming back from combat. Yeah. Um, Which is one of the reasons, like, now COVID essentially is playing out in America like it, the flu. You know, it's always going to be here. You can definitely get really, really sick from it, you know. You can also get vaccinated. yeah. But, like, man, at the beginning where it was, like, pretty much everyone who got it, like, ended up on a ventilator for, like, six weeks or something. Whoosh! Um, And I just didn't have to think about that. No. I mean, I... We were very lucky. And, I mean, obviously I thought about it when all this was happening. It was all over the news. But I never personally knew somebody who had to be on a ventilator. And there were points where I just had to shut off the information I was receiving about COVID. Because I was like, I have to get up in the morning and exist. And you were privileged enough that you could just shut that off. Yeah. Yeah. And so the last thing in this article, it just says, surviving and getting your life back are two different things. And that's what this book was about to me is like, yeah, she woke up. And she's essentially physically fine. But surviving and getting your life back are different things. And she is completely changed. It would be really hard Mm -hmm. to live with someone who can't understand two months of your life that got deleted. Right. And you would have to go to therapy for that. I imagine you would need to quit your job. And you would need to quit your Mm -hmm. relationship. And she has to grieve her mother twice. Yeah. I, Although the second time is more... Yeah. She gets more closure and does yeah. it right almost. It was almost like a do-over. Right. And the good thing is you think your mom died and you're very sad and you wake up and you realize they're alive. Well, she makes a very wise choice of going, I'm going to use the time that she has left right. to go have a relationship with her because as it turns out, she is not dead. And so that that storyline plays out mm-hmm. 
very beautifully, I thought. Um, but yeah, this book just really moved me in a lot of ways. But I appreciate I that. that the plot maybe wouldn't be interesting and you would maybe find it gimmicky. And I definitely thought you'd find it too real life. I'm not surprised yeah. you didn't like it. That's <laughs> the point of what we do I here. know, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I think the point you made about when you have a life experience that like your partner does not does not share with you it can draw a wedge not only did she experience everything you know in her dream when and when she was in the icu but he's a doctor he's a doctor and there's a note at the end of the or it's like a footnote it's mentioned at the end of the book that he ends up marrying one of the nurses that yeah. he worked with and that makes sense to me they yeah. have that shared experience and i don't think there's any shame in that no and i mean that I'm sure was a watershed moment for him, just the way mm -hmm. her thing was, and his is not any less valid. Like, that would be something that changes how you perceive life from now on, being an ER doctor in New York during COVID. Like, there's yeah. no way you're just, like, the same kind of person after no. that. And there wasn't, like, I did appreciate that their breakup was not this big, huge, dramatic thing. They were just like, we don't fit together anymore. It was pretty low-key. Well, she was like that. I don't think he realized it yet. And there was tension between them, but... It was the kind of tension we all had yeah. during COVID, you know? Yeah. So that was a good choice, I think, on her part. Yeah, and I I appreciate when people can just say, hey, I don't know that we fit together anymore. You mm -hmm. know, I do love you and you do love me, but we're just not on the same those are my favorite kind of breakups because it feels like it's good news for everybody, really, even if there is a grieving process and it's sad. Or even if one of them doesn't realize it at the yeah, time. Like, yeah, I, I but don't like, think Finn did. If you have to have a breakup, the win-win version of a breakup is the one where you just realize you don't fit together mm -hmm. and you can both go on to live, which is, by the way, what happened to me. I'm fine. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I didn't write a Taylor Swift song about him. No. Um, yeah, well, that's pretty much all I had to say about it. Okay. Do you want to hear what people who rated it of course. one star said? Of course I do. I have three reviews for you. From Kat. Nope, this isn't it. There's a <laughs> oh, great. There's a line in here somewhere that has the protagonist saying about her boyfriend. It strikes me that COVID isn't on isn't the only thing that can take your breath away, and that's really all I need to say. Yep. A hokey love slash finding yourself story shoehorned into a frame of a global tragedy, and the main character somehow became more unlikable at the end than she was at the beginning. Yeah. I, if it didn't have the COVID angle, I wonder if we would like it. If yeah. you would like it as much. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure it would because, like, that was the thing that was really, that really struck me. Right. right. Yeah. This next one, I, I need to point out before you start reading it. If you go to the one-star reviews for this book, there is much hating of her liberal COVID agenda, I guess. Yeah. You can call it. I skipped over those. Yes. Um, uh, somehow. COVID became political and divisive. Right, so, right. Well, we're, we're good at doing that, we humans, to anything. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was just trying to live. Yeah. Okay. But that is a preface to this review. Okay. So this is from Su Sushmita. I am a double vaccinated, booster taking, non conspiracy theorist on COVID. So my problems with this book doesn't stem from, unlike other disgruntled reviewers I've seen, but it's as if the author thought that the person reading the book hadn't experienced the pandemic yet and wanted to walk you through every single step of what it was like. No, thank you. I read to get out of reality, not to be reminded of it. 
I have read a successful book recently where the author was able to use COVID as a device for two people being thrown together unexpectedly. Ooh, I think I know what that book is. Was I, was, it, I was curious. Was it 56 Days? I want to ask you. I don't know. <laughs> hey, if you're listening, <laughs> was it 56 Days? Anyway, I was completely okay with and enjoyed that story, but COVID being the focal point of a story, especially with so much of it being informational, it's too soon. Beside that, I did not feel any connection with the characters, especially not the main character, who seemed selfish and self-absorbed. Unrelatable and frankly unrealistic. I'm not buying the complete personality makeover in a few weeks, no matter where you traveled. And finally, stemming off the person personality unrealism, the author makes it seem like having a type A personality where someone has lists and plans doesn't get to fully experience life. As someone who is type A, married to someone who is type B, we have done things both ways and still had fun. In addition to this, I see no problem with how the main character was before. Ambitious, driven, goal-oriented. Apparently, this was supposed to be a character flaw that needed to be righted by the author. Yeah. I see that. I agree with it. Similar issues to me. And finally, from Angelique. I wish this book would self-destruct so I never had to see it again. I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta end with something short and quippy. So she was not a fan is what you mean. Yeah. That long one in the middle is a lot of the same. Yeah. The the reviews that weren't, you know. Fair enough. I think it just struck me right in my heart place. Yeah. And and that's fair. And just got me in a particular way. I can see how if it didn't get you in that particular way, it wouldn't work for you. What's 56 Days? Um, so it's a thriller about a, like, couple who are, like, in the very beginnings of their relationship and are maybe, like, thinking of moving in together. And then it's COVID. We're going to quarantine. And they end up living together oh. after only knowing each other for a little while. Someone dies. There's a oh. murder. Oh, okay. Yeah. I liked that book. I have a book on my shelf that I got, like, in a bargain bin somewhere. It's by Gary Steingart. And it's called Our Country Friend. And it's... It has to do with COVID, like, these friends in the countryside end up quarantining together. Yeah. And I know nothing else about it because I was like, oh, I've heard of this author. I'm, And this, this is a fiction? Yeah. And this I book mean, is, like, $2, and it's been on my shelf, and I'll see it and be like, not ready yet. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> maybe maybe soon. Ah, <laughs> uh, no. Fair enough. But, yeah. Okay. Well, what are we reading next time? So I have assigned Stephanie The Phantom Toll Booth by Norton Juster. Which is a children's book? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's a chapter book. Yeah. But, I mean, it gets taught in fifth, sixth grade, you know. Okay. I'm ready to be schooled. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening to You Might Hate This Book. Join us again next week for more discussion of the books we love. And the books we hate. You can help others find this podcast by leaving us a review and a five-star rating. And don't forget to hit subscribe. You can offer additional support and earn cool perks by joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash hatethisbookpod. Special thanks to Montague Workshop. See you next week. Red tent it up. <laughs>